Hi, and welcome to Gender Nebulous episode 39. Today we have a special guest, Eva Echo. Eva is an activist, public speaker, and writer, and my lovely co-host, Ms. Frida Wallace. So hi to both of you. Hi. Uh, it's great to have Eva. I've been wanting to get Eva on for ages, and I've been mithering her on uh, Instagram and on emails, and it's, she's just really busy, aren't you, all the time? Always. It's, and it's great to be busy, but... Uh, finally got uh, an evening to talk to you so thank you for your yeah. time really, no worries thanks for having me we really appreciate yeah. it it is so, really nice to have you on i mean you are so, very active in the uh transgender world of activism mm-hmm. um you do a lot of stuff so i think can we, can we start with talking with your involvement with trans in the city so uh, i know you're a director there so yeah that's uh that's a relatively new thing to be fair um mm. I mean, I've always been a massive supporter of trans in the city. Um, I, I lo- absolutely love what they do, their approach, their, 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 you know, their ethic behind it. Um, yeah, so anything I can do to, to support them. I mean, last year at Trans in the City, I did a bit of a keynote during the daytime section uh, and then a fireside chat uh, with Ros in the evening. Yeah. And then I went on to win uh, one of the awards, which I completely blown away by was not expecting i just thought i was there to do some talking um but yeah I've, i mean i've always looked up to everyone that's or you know that was already a director i mean bobby is just absolutely yeah, she's amazing, amazing isn't she? stuff that she does and you know the, the passion and the energy mm. that she has is so inspiring um and you know after the uh the awards and that evening itself I had a catch up with bobby soon after uh yeah. and she asked if i wanted to uh to come on board and, and, and be part of the team and I just jumped at the chance. Yeah, cool. So you, you won the you. Community yeah. Champion Award, didn't you? And that was I did. Yeah, it was kind of shared with Katie Neves because she got you both got the same thing, didn't you? We did. Yes, I think it was yeah. impossible to pick between the did two. Did you have things. to split it in half? Did you have no, to? No, I, I think they could have got two. Time share. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we did get one each. Right, lovely. So I was going to say, you know, like with you being active as an activist, do you do a lot of media and? Yes. And like what I find, like I, I've done some media and I've done a bit of media training and I've been on telly and I find the hardest thing about it sometimes is sometimes the people interviewing you don't know the facts. Mm. So you sort of have to educate them sometimes. Do you find that? Do you find that people are open to being, you know, corrected sometimes? Yeah, um, it depends on the situation, really. And, you know, whether, well, obviously, the which channel it is, um, yeah, definitely. which station. Um, but I'm always open for a challenge. I mean, at the end of the day, I've got nothing to hide when I go on these shows. Um, I was on uh, Jeremy Vine um, mm-hmm. on his radio show uh, yeah. a few weeks ago, um, and that was regarding the Hogwarts game. Oh, um, oh, yeah. And, yeah. you know, I, I know about his reputation. I know what he can be like. But at the same time, if I didn't do it and nobody else wanted to do it, then we wouldn't have a voice. So I just, yeah. why not? Let's go for it. Mm. Um, As long as, you know, I always say, as long as you know what you're talking about, you have some statistics to back yourself up and you're confident enough to be able to talk and deliver the point uh, succinctly, then, you know, you, you shouldn't really have to hide or, or worry. In fact, yeah. I, in that particular interview, I managed to, to put some points across that actually stumped him completely. So, you know, mm. if it shuts him up, then... Yeah. I think, a... I think I've got to say, the problem with people like Vine, I mean, it's not so much Vine, it's the production teams around things like that they tend to pick quite clickbaity articles. Mm. And so you're kind of going into a trap already, aren't you? Because uh, I know, because I've done like Talk TV and mm. GB News, and I've been criticised for doing it because people see them as the enemy. But I like to get in the way of that conversation. So... Yeah, and it's like it's not an echo chamber, is it? So it's like going into the bear pit kind of thing. So uh, yeah, I mean, if if we were to just kind of distance ourselves from channels like you know, like GBBs, then we wouldn't ever have a say, and the the people that that watch and tune in will yeah. only ever hear one version of events, yeah. and we're just doing ourselves an injustice. So as much as it can be incredibly tedious, incredibly difficult, it's important that we, we you know, we don't shirk from these challenges because otherwise, we, you know, whatever's happening now, the rhetoric that we're seeing all over mm. the media, that's only going to get worse. Yeah, it just seems to be getting worse, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I mean, it really does seem to be getting worse. I mean, every everything, every time you look on social media at the moment, there's some horrible story. You know, it's, it's definitely getting worse. I mean, how do you, how do you cope with that? because you you know you are very visible um get used to it i mean i never really started out 
wanting to be visible. Uh, I mean, when I came out, I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I started writing a blog to externalize my thoughts and everything that I was feeling. Um, and I was naive and thinking, well, you know, there are millions of websites. No one's going to read mine, but people did. Mm. Um, and that's when it, it kind of dawned on me that I'm not alone in this. Lots of people feel, you know, s- similar to the experiences that I went through. Um, and I thought, well, this is no longer about me. I thought I would just come out, transition, mm. and kind of just pop back into whatever work stream I was doing at the time. And I quickly realized that it can't just be like that. Now now that I'm mm. out, I've got to use my voice and privilege in any way I can to help other people. Um, and it kind of grew from there, really. And mm. I set up an Instagram page, and it's just grown ever since. And Yeah, I like, I like your approach and the way you visualize things on Instagram and you make them kind of poppy you know what I mean if, if you understand what I mean it's like there's a sort of artistic element to the stuff you put on so it's good to look at you know it kind of draws you in because it's visually in, interesting as well as factually interesting yeah. it's like, I think well I mean I've, I've always been creative and that, yeah. that's where that element comes yeah. through but I think for me Instagram uh, or, or any social media use the turning point for me was not really caring what people thought of me um, <laughs> like you know you look at these Instagram accounts where people have like you know quite a lot of followers and they're all pretty much following each other doing the same thing almost like they feel they have to yeah. put out a certain image or a certain role yeah. the way I look at it is you know I've I've played a certain role up until the point that I came out. Why the hell am I still doing it after? Mm. I'm just going to be me online and I don't take myself very seriously. And I put out what I want to put out. Yeah, I was going to say me and Vicky have talked about this before, but I think when you do come out and obviously we have to navigate social media, you're kind of a visual protest whether you want to be or not. Yeah. So so you, your all existence to some people is an affront to their reality. So if yeah. you come, yeah, so some, someone like me kind of leans into it because I will go, I, I mean, I write a blog called The Turf Reich, for God's sake. So I'm kind of mocking it and then using humour to take it down. But I'm leaning into it. So so when it comes for me, I'm kind of like, it's hard for me to say, oh, well, poor me, because I've actually sort of baited it quite a bit. Mm. But there's yeah. a point, there's a point, the reason I'm doing that is because I've built this defense. So I think sometimes, you, you, I don't know about you, but I sometimes think sometimes the visual images we put out are a shield. So because we do want to look our best when we're on social media, and we do do that. But I think sometimes... You know, there's the real you and then there's the social media you. And I just don't, I was wanted to ask how you feel about that. Do you feel like there's something um, in that? I'm, I'm the same whether I'm on social media or, or in real life, really. Um, I'm, I just got to the point where I'm like, I'm, I'm done pretending. I, I cannot be bothered with that anymore. I juggled that, you know, before I came out, having to to be in the closet about being trans, having to juggle essentially two personalities. Um, mm. And now I just don't even have the time for it. Um, I mean, <laughs> I don't even have the time to go through all my DMs and things like that. So <laughs> it's it's one of those things where I think it's been a rite of passage in getting to this point and finding my own coping mechanism. Mm. Like I know when to engage with with people that are anti-trans and what whatever comments they put on there. But I also know when to just completely ignore them because my attitude is, well, there are certain people who do not put a comment on there to be educated. They mm. want to throw out hate yeah. just to get a reaction. Now, yeah. it makes me think, well, what sort of person feels the need to do that? And if I if I make, you know, if I give in and I I, I react to it, I'm simply handing mm. control over to them. But yeah. if they throw out a comment at me and I choose to ignore it, then I still hold that control. It's my personal space online mm. in this, you know, in, in this social media world. And, you know, they're the ones, you know, getting bent out of shape during <laughs> the evening about it, where I'm just cracking on doing my own thing. And, you know, I've not got anything to worry about. So mm. it's taken me to kind of find that approach to almost find peace with being on social media when, you know, we all know, especially on Twitter, it's such a, a horrible place but that's yeah. the way i cope i mean i know charlie craggs um she is quite ruthless when she deals with, <laughs> with trolls and that that's her way you know it's hilarious yeah. um i think you can i think that's, i think that's her. I, yeah i think that's a really good approach to to ignore it but i think sometimes with me i think um i sort of i kind of what I, I sort of like to anger them a bit <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. but, but perhaps I shouldn't be doing that. I don't know how you feel about that, Vicky. But... Um, well, yeah, I mean, Frida, your, your kind of activism online is kind of like 
confrontational almost. Well, it's, and, but it's but it's humorous, but right? It's, yeah, it yeah. is. It's humorous, and yeah, I, I don't I don't really go online much these on, on, these days on Twitter. I'm not really on there too much because of you know how nasty it can get. Mm. I think my kind of activism is is more kind of you know doing things like this podcast and things with work. It's kind of a bit of a you know it's not it's not so kind of on the TV kind of stuff. It's you know a bit less obvious, I guess. Um, but you know, each their own. I mean, you know, we we have these these discussions around how effective is your activism and what you do. You know, I think I think the the really important thing is that we should all do what we're comfortable doing. Absolutely, yeah. You know, and if if that you know leads to more things, well, yeah, great. Exactly. Yeah. We all have a skill at the end of the day. Yeah. We all have yeah. an experience that we can lean into. Yeah, I yeah. think with the you see, I I think I think sometimes there's so much information out there. And there's so much reading to do if you want. It's, it can be a bit overwhelming. So you've mm-hmm. just got to find that little bit of it that you 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 can excel in maybe. And that's I think that's what you do. Yeah, find your niche. Yeah, yeah oh. find find the bit you like. And I like being a bit funny and trying to take the mick a bit. And I like that because it makes me feel better. But um, so, yeah, I was, I was going to go on to talk about, you know, because as a community, sometimes people say the trans community but I think I think we're all different in our own mm. ways, but we're united by experience. And one of the things that united us and galvanized us was the tragic murder of Brianna Jai. And that was a real I mean, to us it was kind of like I've been warning you. We felt like we've been warning you about this. It's mm. not, you know, it's not come out of nowhere, has it? And so when I went onto the media, I, I think Vicky could tell I went through a bit of a phase where I was getting a bit too angry because of it. So I thought. And I and, and I noticed you did an interview at the vigil. Uh, it, was that in Birmingham? Sorry, it was. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and at that on on that interview, you're saying you know we need to you know obviously you try you're being positive and you, you're taking stock of the situation. And there's some kids there, pretty much proving your point. Can you mm-hmm. talk, tell us a little bit about that, please? And yeah, um, I mean, whilst um, we were setting up for the vigil um i was doing a lot of media interviews and for one particular interview that what i mean i'm, I'm sure most people have seen the clip now it's gone viral mm-hmm. um i was talking about hate crime um because that's something that i'm involved in um when when we look at criminal justice and i was pointing out the fact that people aren't born with hate it's a learned behavior and it comes mm, from somewhere it, yeah. And it just happened that, you know, there are a, a group of youths who coming through who, who decided to target the vigil and, you know, shouting anti-LGBTQ plus slurs. Mm. Um, and, it, you know, they, they didn't want to leave it at that because they, they moved through. They went behind me being interviewed. I'm, I'm sure they thought it was live at the time so that they could just shout these obscenities. They got to the other end and they basically came back through for another go. Mm. Now, that is not the they're, they're not the actions of people who are, you know are opportunists. The fact mm. that they decided, mm. well, you know, let's go back for yeah. more. One yeah. of them actually pulled out a balaclava as they were walking up and put it over the head and then put the hood up. Um, and one of them had a oh, knife. So intimidating. It's, you know, you no know, no one no one goes out thinking, you know what, I've got my keys, my wallet, my balaclava, my knife. That that's a very you know specific mm. person there. But it, it comes down to, yes, they are full of hate, but where does that hate come from? Yeah. Uh, and yes, they, they've proved the point. Um, but at the same time, we could deal with with people like that. Absolutely. But, you know, dealing with it won't prevent it. We need to get mm. to the root cause of it. Mm. If that's education, if that's raising more awareness, if that's sitting down and, and talking to them directly, mm. then fine, you know, we, we need to find ways through. Otherwise, it's going to be history repeating itself over and over again. Yeah, so how was that situation resolved there? Did they, did they uh, just leave in the end? Yeah, I mean, this is the thing, like, the community, like the LGBTQ plus community as a whole, aren't great fans of the police, let's put it that way. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, but at the same time, we do need them. We live in a society where they play an integral part. Now, it's all very well saying the police do not belong at, you know, yeah. occasions like that or any sort of queer events. We don't need them. We do. And that what happened that mm. night proved that we did. And, you know, during the organising of it, um, you know, people were saying, like, I don't expect police to be there. They're not welcome. We don't need them. This is for the community. Fine. But 
you can't be trans and not be visible like you said mm. earlier. you know it's not like when you come out as gay you look exactly the same you yeah. you mm. have to challenge exactly, people yeah. just by saying i am trans this is my existence now um and we do need that protection given mm. you know the political climate what's going on in the media we do need protection <clears throat> sadly the only protection we we can call upon is the police and uh, you know, I, I had messages afterwards after that uh, clip went viral saying, you know, where were the police when you need them? Yeah. Um, you know, isn't it typical of the police just ignoring, you know, the, the community like yeah, that? Yeah, the police get that both for both sides. But we exactly. have it. Well, and I'm, I basically had to say, well, hang on a minute. You specifically said the police are not welcome. Mm. And now that we need the police, they're not there. And you still mm. blame them. So, you know, how do we how do we? move forward from that I, th I think that i think possibly there i mean there's lots of reasons to criticize the police you know we, mm. we've seen recently with the met police and misogyny and trans people suffer that same misogyny because i remember being quite young and i was mugged in manchester and i went to find a police officer and he said well if you're going to go out dressed like that kind of attitude and it's the same misogyny it's exactly the same mm. so i think that's why people do part because because you you only have to have one bad experience with the police, yeah. And because they're such a public facing organisation, and unfortunately, lots and lots of people we can't get away from it. Have uh, we've interviewed uh, Paul Bloomer on here, who's uh, you know L LGBT uh, advocate for the police, and we we spoke to him directly, and he told us about his experience. So it kind of reflects what you say in there about. You know, we can't live with them sometimes, we can't live without mm -hmm. them, but would you, yeah. would you prefer a world without them? Possibly not, you know. Yeah, so, I think yeah. I think we all collectively know, you know, police officers who are trans or part of the community. So, mm. you know, it's well, not all I, bad. You know, I, there is there is that element. Yeah, I meet, I meet police officers yeah. through, through my work with the ambulance service, so quite close to the police sometimes. And it's like the difference between somebody that's gone into that job for the wrong reasons and the re and somebody that has gone for the right reasons is huge, you know. Yeah. Mm. And you, you like to think that the vetting process and the training might weed some of that out. That's that's mm. the whole that's the whole. That's, yeah, that's the issue, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. And I think also it's, it's it's worth remembering that whatever we hear in the media is always going to be bad. Happy yeah, stories yeah. don't sell yeah, papers. So sell papers, they will yeah. always put that, you know, that doom and gloom spin on mm. it. But when we look at, you know, um, a force the size of the Met, we're hearing this negativity. But think about all, all the good experiences, because mm. if you have a bad experience with with a police officer, with a police force, you're going to tell people when you tell people you have that immediate empathy of, you know, those your peers around you saying, well, of course, you know, I feel really bad that you've had to go through that damn the police, all this, you know, mm. this, that and the other. But if you were to have a good response and a great experience with, with the police and you were to tell your friends down the pub, for example, mm. are you going to be taken seriously? No, they'll look no. at you like you've just kicked the cat or something. Yeah. They don't resonate yeah. with that. Exactly. Right, yeah. Because of that, you are even less likely to talk about that positive experience ever again. Mm. And because because of how it was received. So we there there is a, a part of us that kind of needs to say, OK, let's draw a line here. We're telling the police they need to do better. If they've proved time and time again, they don't know how to do better. Then let's step in and show mm. them. Uh, and I mean, for me, that's how I got into criminal justice. Mm, that's great. So, so your involvement with... Um trans in the city you know we spoke about that a bit earlier um what what is your role there i know i know you're one of the directors but i'm not i'm not quite sure what your specific role is so i'm i'm looking after the media at the moment media, the media okay lead. yeah so uh social media media that that side of things um i've always loved being creative and coming out with content so yeah i mean i jumped at the chance to be able to get involved with that side of it i mean so you're, you're involved with the kind of like the pink the pink news uh collaboration with dealing with that side yeah. of it yeah the social media side of it uh planning content and getting you know certain information out there um and yeah. eventually as we go forward with the events you know following some of the team that go out and about and, and get involved with conferences and filming mm -hmm. behind the scenes to show show people what actually goes on yeah. because mm -hmm. there's so much great work out there um mm -hmm. but over the years unfortunately you know not none of it has been disseminated into <clears throat> the community because the social media presence wasn't there mm -hmm. so we we now need to shout about the great work that's being done Mm. Needs to be more yeah. visible. Yeah, absolutely. But, so and then was, it's, T it's TDOV tomorrow. 
Yeah. So go, I've, go out I've, there I mean, and be I've, visible. Been having, I've been having a terrible <laughs> week this week because I've been trying to persuade my company or kind of coach them, like drag them, like herd them like cats into, you know, in, getting into the sponsorship thing with uh, Trans in the City. I know it's changed a little bit this year, but, you know, there's a lot of kind of squabbling, let's say, going on in the background between um, people who are just trans people and then the organisations within the company that are supposed to, you know, deal with this stuff and they kind of don't do what they're supposed to do. And, you know, it's it gets all very tedious, kind of agitated yeah. and tedious. So I've been dealing with that all week. You know, we, we, we were supposed to be lighting up buildings and putting up flags. Um, the flags are going up, but we've not been able to get the buildings lit up because some, because of some sensibilities, you know. Yeah. So I was going to say, it's amazing now because yeah. they're quite small gestures, aren't they? Like putting a flag Yeah, I mean, it's really or, easy. Put some lights up. They've got and, lights and, there anyway. And, 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 and people don't realise how important that is because it, it, it sends a message to staff and, and perhaps potential employees of a company or like when my company, when the ambulance, they're pretty good with stuff because we've worked with the uni and Unison. So I'm quite good at, I'm, I'm, I'm quite used to them being good, mm-hmm. but but it's like sometimes you you feel like you've got to my the people, you know what I mean, like pest. Yeah, them and then to you come something. up against some you know big manager, some director who's like doesn't really understand it, and you have to persuade them why it's a good thing. You know, it's just mm. it's just exhausting. Yeah, I mean, to, to be fair, as a community, we we spend most of our time justifying our own existence. Mm. Like you know, yeah. whether well, every time I do an interview with someone new. I pretty much have to come out all over again because yeah. I'm having to justify why I'm sat there in front of them doing an interview on yeah. other things like, you know, I, I always look at things like flags and, you know, decorations around an office or, or whatnot. I always look at that and think, okay, what's the intention? Anyone can put a flag up. Anyone mm. can say, yeah. let's use pronouns now as a company, but what's the intention behind it? Because that's the most important thing. If it, if there are good intentions, yeah, fine, I mean, you've got to get the messaging right. And the, yeah. the, Otherwise, it's just another tick box. Yeah, otherwise, it's just another flag, isn't it? I mean, it's... Yeah, so are you doing anything exciting for TDOV tomorrow? Um, Yeah, going down to New Scotland Yard to do a a keynote. Um, That's great. So, yeah, that's... Yeah, I think I saw... scary. I think I saw the promotion for that, and uh, and surprise, surprise, I saw a few of the lobby groups. I'm not going to mention any names. You can imagine got hold of it and and started to retweet it and I thought this is going to be a pile on which it but you see the people that do that they they why, why do they feel threatened by one day of the police actually doing something like that because it's like you know it it, beg, it just baffles me do you know how are you going people. in there and doing a speech to the police uh yeah there will be officers in there um, um, and they'll be online as well that's great okay that's good so yeah and then I'm going to come back and doing a doing a keynote in the evening uh, in Birmingham as well so wow you're gonna be busy so yeah keep, keeps me busy you see this this is one of the reasons they don't like us being visible because when we when they see that we are effective we're just getting on with life we're we're not necessarily exceptional or you know we're not because I think some sometimes with trans people the publics perceive us as some kind either this weird exotic thing or this scary thing which just actually we just if we if you were just to look at what we actually do in real life, it's not, you know, it's pretty normal. And it's like, you know, most of it is not unusual. But and that's, well, yeah, that's, that's I think that that's one of the threats, though, that, mm. that our existence becomes normalized yeah. because then people have to accept the fact that they were wrong. And now psychologically, mm. as a collective, as a, as a society, people can't do that. They're not ready for that yet. I mean, you don't have to yeah. look at Scottish gender recognition reform recently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When that was passed and it was heading towards royal ascent, people got desperate. People got incredibly twitchy and it was the oh, yeah. anti-trans people. And the reason why was simply because if the bill went through and it proved that there were no, you know, there were no trans women taking advantage of a process to yeah. commit crimes against women and girls then it will have proved that everything that they've said all along has been a complete lie so rather than suffer that you know inevitable consequence it's been a case of we really need to ramp it up now and prevent it from going through they definitely doubled down we've definitely seen a ramp up recently you know what's what's going on with the scottish grr and then what we've been seeing in new zealand and australia over the past few days um yeah I, i mean i mean sometimes 
I, I sometimes think that there are there are certain journalists either willfully ignorant or just part of the part of the you know attack on us because it's very rare you'll see. I mean, obviously, the Daily Mail is the Daily Mail, and you know they they're always going to. Well, they're kind of led by lobby groups, aren't they? They kind of. Uh, I don't know. They kind of every story you kind of reads as some kind of duplicitous message, and it's like by the time that that that's why that's where Jeremy Vine gets his talking points from. So it's kind of like a you know a downward spiral all the time of uh, clickbait, you know, culture mm-hmm. war stuff, and I suppose that's that's that that fear narrative is something that uh, gets the. You know, it gets those likes, shares and retweets going. And, that, yeah. that's... and that's how they make their money. I mean, at the end of the day, whether yeah. it's us or whether it's, you know, people seeking asylum, they need something salacious to dangle out there mm. to get the clicks, to get, you know, to get the money in. Because if people don't tune into the website, people don't buy the physical papers, they don't have money, they don't have advertising yeah. revenue. So mm. they, they rely on this. And it just so happens that, you know, places like the daily mail have become notorious for it and mm. you know it's always driven by by money at the end of the day i think that's why we appreciate someone like you eva who goes into the media and you, you're very articulate and you know you, you've got the information behind you you know you, if somebody asked you a question i'm pretty sure you'd be able to answer it pretty quickly and I would, well, that's why i say thank you for what you do because that that because I'm, I'm always saying to people just you know if you get opportunity to go and speak to people but a lot of trans people are really shy and mm. why should they be good at media they're just people getting on with their lives but i mean there is, there is a lot of pressure put on us to, to, to you know to yeah. be experts in these things that you've never yeah. done before you know it's very difficult to just suddenly you know suddenly you're on tv and you ask you well i was gonna say some, questions sometimes it frustrates me that because i'm quite gobby you know i'll, I'll talk <laughs> really i'll talk, I hadn't I, noticed. I'll talk <laughs> to anyone me but but sometimes like, why isn't everybody like me <laughs> you know yeah. but if everybody if everybody was like me you know i'm not gonna me, answer but... that one frida <laughs> <laughs> and i think yeah you're, you're right that as as like you know as a trans person Every time I speak to people, I'm expected to justify. I'm expected mm. to have all the answers. Mm. The way I see it is, why can't they justify to us? You know, when they ask about yeah. trans women in sport. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, like they're asking me for the answers. Well, I'd like to turn around and ask them, or well, why is it you have a problem well, with that, it? Yeah, that's what yeah, I, I turn do. The when same I'm on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what I've tended to do when I've gone on talk TV. My, my approach is always, right, why are you having this conversation now? Why do you suddenly care about the welfare of women mm. in prison? Why do you suddenly care about furnace in I think when you ask them now, it kind of stops them in the tracks, doesn't it? It's like Because yeah. then they have to think, so oh, why, yeah, why am I doing yeah. this? <laughs> why, why, why do Tories suddenly care about the welfare of people in prison when they have always never done before? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so this, the, the other argument always comes up about single-sex spaces, and it's like there's this always this sexual salacious kind of Ooh. narrative there. Like no nobody's allowed to be a person without some kind of sexual threat. Or and it's just really weird that you know, like when I, when I socialize, when I go out and I and I'm out with my female friends or whatever, it's the last thing on anybody's mind, anything like that. And and my, the only fear I have now when I go into a, a restroom or a, a, a anything like that, I think, oh God, is there going to be a turf here? Exactly. Yeah. That's the only, that's the only thing I think. I think more more trans women are scared of using public toilets now. Mm. than actual allegedly cisgender women being scared of anything happening mm. in them. Um, mm. There was a, a survey conducted in the US about seven years ago now, um, and they found about, I think it was about 56, 59% of, of trans women um, avoided using public bathrooms. They wouldn't mm. eat or drink throughout the day when they're out in public just to well, avoid using well, public restrooms. Well, it's uh, I, yeah. I've got a friend who, who likes going swimming, and my friend asked, she said, "Do you want to come swimming with me?" And I had to think then for me, "Oh my God, what what about getting changed and stuff?" And said, They've got cubicles, you know. But because I because I've been fear led by this crap on social media, I actually started to think, "Oh my God, some somebody's going to attack me. Something's going to go wrong." Yeah. It's never happened before, so why would it happen now? You know. But it's like I I sometimes think that these people like to scare the weaker-minded people because the kind of some of the bigger lobby groups, they rely on their little followers to boost them, don't they? So mm-hmm. the more, like if I was to comment, I can tell if I, I, if I comment on something, 
I know I'm going to get all the little attack dogs coming at me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And they're, and they're all linked to one or two very specific big accounts. So it's kind of like a sort of synaptic kind of hellscape, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's, a, you know. Yeah, I, so think, I did go I off on a bit of a tangent there. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, confidence is is really important because, you know, you're talking about the fear of, you know, that trans women have of going to certain places if they're not, you know, maybe they're, they're not they're not been out very long or, mm. you know, there's there's reasons why they're, they're kind of a bit nervous. I mean, I think once once you've, you know, gained some confidence, it makes it so much easier. I mean, even your, your confidence to do the things you do, you know, you're talking in front of hundreds of people. I mean, where does that confidence come from? Is that something that you've struggled with or is it, have you yeah, always been I mean, confident? Um, I actually suffer from social anxiety. Do you? So it doesn't show. It doesn't show because like when I go out and do like work related things, it's work. So therefore yeah. I have that to hide mm. behind. Yeah. You know, I put my work hat on and I'm doing it because of a job. When I go out on about, you know, if I, at the weekend, if we, we go out for a drink, meet some friends, I am just like, I'm really, you know, worried about pe- bumping into people or meeting new people and things like mm. that. Um, so yeah, for, for me, it's almost like armor that I, you know, mm. To be to be able to to be booked to, to talk to a company or to do this that and the other that that is my protection. Yeah. Um, but also, I used to be a musician, so you know, playing gigs, going on tour, you get used to that exposure where you just you are thrown in front of it. At mm. the time, you know, being a drummer, I had a drum kit to hide behind, but <laughs> wow. you're you're still put in these positions where you're going on stage, you have to do it whether you like it or not. You can't let people down. So that kind of got me into it. But then it wasn't until lockdown, uh, the the first lockdown during the pandemic, that I was forced to think about things differently. Until then, I'd never do like video content on social media. Um, Mm. Any uh, recorded or video interviews I ever did uh, with TV, for example, I would always ask, you know, to watch it again, to get Mm. playback of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, just because I was so conscious of, of everything about how people would perceive me. But then mm. uh, I was part of a project during the first lockdown and someone found out I was, um, I was a fan of Carmen Carrera and they basically said, well, you can interview her then. And like, I was literally thrown in at the deep end having to interview her. And I think that kind of made me sit up and think, it's not so bad. You know, what, what, what I've, what I've been so scared. And that kind of just opened my eyes to it. Who was that? No, sorry. No, now you've got like no fear at all. Like, <laughs> sorry, you just mentioned someone's name and I wasn't sure. Yeah, Carmen Carrera. All right, who's that? She was on RuPaul's Drag Race in oh, one of right. the seasons. Um, right. And she is now a trans advocate. Wow, yeah. Well, I I, I recognise what you mean now. Yeah, when he said RuPaul's. But I was going to say, like, sometimes, like, I've done TikToks and stuff like that. Sometimes I have this flush of confidence and I'm, like, really bubbly. And then and then the next day I'm thinking, oh, my God, I just can't be bothered. <laughs> you know, I feel like that quite a lot. It's exhausting. Co- it really is, though, really. And, um, it's, and it's, some, it's hard to keep yourself going at times. Sometimes I'll upload something and then look at it later and go, oh, my God, delete, delete, delete. <laughs> so, Eva, are there, are there any other organisations that you're involved with, you know, other than trans and city that we've spoke about i mean are you yeah, involved um, in some small or... quite a few things um i'm director of innovation at birmingham pride um, okay what's what's so, that i've not heard of that one so birmingham pride which is well pride in birmingham um no so innovation what was the what innovation was... so yeah that basically my role is to look at creating new initiatives and you know creating okay. things that don't exist that the community need looking for opportunities to expand whether it's education um you know certain like events or whatever pushing the boat out to make sure that Birmingham Pride is always as inclusive as it can be um I mean at the moment as far as I'm aware we are one of the most diverse pride Mm. teams in the UK is there a trans pride in Birmingham there isn't no there has been talk of one being Mm. set up and there is a grassroots community that have Mm. been trying to get that it's it's yeah, it's a bit of a strange one because, in, in some sense, you just want to be part of Pride, but then sometimes there is a need, there is different issues for trans people. So, so is Birmingham Pride? I've never been to Birmingham Pride, but is is that still kind of more of a protest than a Pride? I mean, I mean, the, you know, the Manchester one's very commercialised. So is London. I mean, is Birmingham going that way, or are you trying to keep it more? No, kind of we're keep, we're we're trying to keep it grassroots, trying to keep it as real as mm. we can, because yeah. at the end of the day, you know. 
we recognize yes people do want to kick back and celebrate because you know we've been through a lot why yeah. not let's yeah, have that not? celebration exactly. but at the same time you know we we do have that protest element we work mm. all year round as, mu- as much mm. as people think it's just a once a year party at the weekend you know we have a community fund foundation where the proceeds and the revenue from that weekend go yeah. back into the community so mm. we've got a large part of money where um, I'm one of the trustees of the foundation where we, you know, people apply grassroots communities want to create things for others. They apply to this fund and, uh, you know, we, we'll, we enable them, we help mm-hmm. them forward so that they can make these things happen. So we're very much there to serve and listen to the community. Uh, but we also get involved as well, using our platform, using our voice when there is something that does impact the community where we can speak out and represent the community as well mm. um so so yeah you know it's it's absolutely amazing to be a part of that and work all year round to make sure that when something happens for example like what what happened with brianna that we're mm. there to support but we're yeah. also there to be a voice and to really openly discuss the mm. issues at stake so that i think i think this was this is one of the problems in Manchester because with Pride becoming such a big uh, commercial thing, there was a group set up called Reclaim Pride, mm. and then and what they were trying to do is, con- you know, there, there are, it used to be that the local pubs in the gay village would all get together and do, but but increasingly these venues are owned by conglomerates that don't really have any community connection. So they just run by managers that come and go, and it's kind of it's kind of lost its soul a bit. And uh, so, so we're trying to get that back a bit more in it's Manchester. So, I think it's also down to what people want because you know we're at the point now where people expect a big headliner, people mm. expect safety, and people yeah, want security. Something. But then that's the thing; it costs money. You know, you, if you, you if you have this political background at the moment where, where we're, you know, trans people are constantly under attack, hate crime, you know, last year, the home office released the stat that 56% increase in transphobic hate crime in 12 months. So hate crime's going up and up and up and we have to think about safety and we can't have safety without security, without mm-hmm. ring fencing mm-hmm. certain areas, blocking off roads and that yeah. costs money. Then you have and to protect want... people. Exactly. And if people mm-hmm. want the entertainment, that costs as well, you know, we mm. we always try and go for you know lgbtq plus acts first and foremost at birmingham pride mm. we ro- rather than go for you know the big headliners who just want to take money we want to give space to queer acts up and coming acts and also acts that people really relate to because you know it's part of our childhood part of our growing up mm. so all that costs money unfortunately so mm. is that balance of you know being able to to fund it to create it but at the same time there's a fine line before you overstep it and it just it just becomes mm. all about that money well it, yeah, becomes, it, it really is a fine balance there between it's the, between like the a two. double-edged sword isn't it and yeah. because the, it, there's another event in manchester which is the sparkle thing mm. which is it's all in the park on Canal Street. Um, yeah, that's kind of improved. That's over not the commercial last year. at all. That's that's kind of like a, it's like mm. a fun event. They have a stage as stalls. It's kind of a much smaller thing than the main mm. Manchester Pride, but I think that's that's managed to maintain its kind of grassroots so far. Mm. I mean, it's more of a, I don't know, it's a bit of a celebration, isn't it? It's uh, mm. yeah, I mean, successful because they listen to the people and yeah. about what they want, and they make that happen well, rather the, than just. I think they guess. get a sponsorship money. I, mean, I don't think I don't think the acts do it for nothing. You know, Ginny Lemon was there last year, for example. Ginny sure Lemon she, was great. I'm sure she charges a fee, but I, oh think God, money, was... I think the money's raised by local events for the, you know, for the event. It was so hot that day. It was. I was it was sat, right in the middle I, of the heat wave. I, I was yeah. sat down and I didn't realise how sunburnt I was getting and I'd been drinking cider. And when I stood up, I I, I think I just blacked out. <laughs> so I, that was... I couldn't get back. They wouldn't let me back in because they thought I was just drunk. It was probably that bottle of Prosecco we had in that little bar yeah, beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's good that, you know, there's, uh, it's brilliant when, because I come from Bolton, which is just outside Manchester, mm. and Bolton never had a pride until recently. And this year, because it was really nice to, because Bolton's a bit of a, I wouldn't say, I can't say backward, but they're a bit, let's say they're a bit Brexit. In Bolton, so it's an industrial kind of yeah, it's uh, yeah, it? it's it's kind of like lost its kind of you know econ- economic uh, power. Really, there's mm. a lot of you know. People I mean, Bolton dis- used to be a huge economic power in the you know. Oh yeah, you go back forty did. years, fifty years. 
Mm. But this, you know, but it was great yeah. to see Pride there because, you know, so because because to me, Pride is a, it, first and foremost, it's about inclusion. So it's like a family event, mm. and I've noticed like so, sometimes like online and stuff. Because there, there, there are people that try and demonize us. So when they see like a drag queen with a child, they'll take that picture and they'll just use that as some kind of evidence of, you know, the, the decline of Western society. When actually it's kind of the opposite of that. It's like, you know, it's trying to Progress. teach it. Yeah, it's a celebration, you know. Let, let, let's talk about pink news because I know, I know you're involved with that a little bit. So is that is that kind of to do with your role in media with Trans in the City. Yes. Yeah, so I know there's a, there's a, a bit of a collaboration partner. going on there, yeah, isn't there, between media the Media partner of Trans in the City. Um, but, I mean, I've, I've been involved with Pink News and done events for them in the past, yeah. uh, especially their, their Futures event, which is all about um, pro- progressing into the workplace from education, mm-hmm. doing talks, um, you know, with, with students and employers to talk about inclusion in the workplace. And yeah, and that's, that's the connection with Trans in the City, the, the workplace thing yeah. yeah so i mean that that's it's a place where when we think about it when we go to work we spend so much of our lives there. It's about we a do. third of our life so we know we need that environment to be safe to understand and to be educated because it's almost like a sitcom you, you're just thrown into this environment with people you don't know you've never met before <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean it's really interesting to see them. you know some of these big corporations now are all getting involved with trans in the city you know there's something like mm-hmm. 300 big corporations involved um, and they're all doing, you know, amazing, inclusive things for trans non-binary inclusion. Mm. Um, I think there's know, been we, a broader recognition of inclusion and also yeah. the need to to really, you know, like really shape up your workplace culture properly. Mm. Because, okay. you know, everyone, you only have to look at the map, you know, there's there's been report after report about the, the culture. But mm. the thing is, we focus on the Met purely because of what a police force stands for or should stand for. And then to have that culture mm. is, you know, a, a bit of a kick in the teeth. But, you know, let's not forget that these cultures, these toxic cultures have been oh, yeah. happening in all organisations mm-hmm. all over the UK, you know, oh, yeah. some covertly, some openly. Mm. And we must never forget that it's not just a police force or not just one company. Oh, no. It mm. can happen in so many. Yeah, these, these things uh, are systemic, aren't they? Exactly. And I think mm. there's been this wake-up call now to, for, for employees to realise we do need to, to be more inclusive because as we move forward, we, we can't keep using outdated models, outdated ways of thinking. We've got to cater for everybody. It took the pandemic for, for employers to realise that hybrid working would yeah. work, that mm. even a four-day week would work as well. So we are making a lot of progress now, and people mm. are realising that change isn't necessarily a bad thing at all. I think sometimes we're finally, we're finally seeing we? some companies, you know, actually providing um trans healthcare as well aren't we in terms yes, of insurance yeah. and stuff there are some fantastic we've never seen before. packages out there like amazon yeah. adobe yeah they they have incredibly comprehensive packages that, that rival any healthcare mm-hmm. you know state healthcare in the world and that is recognition that a certain population within their organization need specific healthcare uh, yeah. benefits that are different to others and it's the recognition mm-hmm. of we'll cater for that then I mean, I remember when they did that, there was a speech at Trans in the City two years ago where Clifford Chance, I mm. can't remember the guy's name, but he, he was talking about his experience of, you know, trying to persuade Clifford Chance management to change their insurance mm. thing. And they actually ended up, you know, it, it was actually the same price or cheaper to 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 provide trans inclusion for healthcare because there's, there's so few of us. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's um, that was Tate. Yeah, my good yeah, friend. Tate, Tate, yeah, Tate. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, it 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 takes someone within the community to say, actually, these are my needs. It's, they're slightly different to everybody else, but mm. it also takes an inclusive, progressive employer to go. Mm. Let's look into it at least. And yeah, that's yeah. when they realise actually it doesn't cost. The, it didn't the cost any more. Like, yeah, why so, are we you not know, doing this? All this time we've been gatekeeping certain mm. employees when really we could actually offer this for the same price. And if anything, our turnover potentially will go down in terms of retaining staff. That will be a much healthier... Attracting staff. Exactly. And attracting yeah. new staff because yeah. you're, you're basically mm. saying, look, we can do even more for different members of the, of society. Yeah. So, I mean, things like that are great. I mean, 
we, we need to kind of spread the word, don't we, within, within all these kind of large corps, that that's the way yeah. to go. You know, I think, you know, with a really large corporation like the one I work for, where they don't offer healthcare as a be- as a benefit, you know, it's a little bit different because, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not given, you have to pay for it. So it's, it's a bit of a slightly different calculation, but, you know, it's definitely the way to go. I'm not sure mm. how we get there, but. I think we talked Hopefully, about this uh, either, before, didn't we? Well, you know, because sometimes there's, there's, there's big corporations and then there might be a little company and it'll be just that one person in that company that makes the difference because yeah. there might be one person that comes out in that company, like comes out as gay or trans or whatever, and they, they'll have a perspective then to kind of tell, it might, it might be a company of just 10 people, but if that happens, that company will be then forever of that legacy. And mm-hmm. if, it, if the company grows, great. Because that, but but because because people need that confidence in that initial confidence to say, "Hang on a minute, can we not change this?" Because it probably yeah. wouldn't take much effort, would it? Actually, it doesn't. Um, it doesn't take much effort at all. <laughs> I mean, it just I think that the hardest part is like convincing people that this is a good idea to do this. But all changes like that, even like yeah, something true. as something as simple as like changing the color of something, that's yeah. to have a meeting. It's true. That, actually, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah. sadly, different organizations have different mm. procedures, you know, like if, if it's a massive organization, there's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of paperwork mm. involved, whereas a smaller organization with less of a hierarchy, they're, they're able to do it. But there's always ways to do it. I mean, like last year, I got involved with um, legal action against NHS England, and I never thought I'd do that because you take yeah, saw that, yeah. as, as big as NHS you know, England. But there are ways, you know, working with the good law projects is really yeah. that there are. Yeah, so how did that how did that case end up? Um You're so appealing we, it, aren't you? Yeah, we went to the High Court at the end of uh, November for uh, a hearing which lasted a day and a half. Yeah. Uh, the judgment was handed down earlier this year um, and it went against us. However, one good thing that came out of it was that um, NHS England tried to argue that uh, trans youths were not covered under the Equality Act against discrimination because when you're that age you haven't you can't yet say for sure whether you will go for gender reassignment uh, mm. however the judge ruled that you know just taking the steps of socially transitioning is intent towards that and therefore you are covered so that's been a huge win mm. so it's, yeah, it's a big win there even though um, the case but yeah we yeah. we are appealing um it was so just how, how is that being funded i mean these are these are really expensive things to do aren't they Yes, um, unfortunately, we have gone over on some of the the costs at the moment, so we're having to crowdfund for for the appeal. Um, last time I checked, we're on about twenty two, twenty three thousand. So the legal uh, team was Good Law Project, were they? Yes. So uh, we need fifty grand uh, for the appeal, right. um, and yeah, we we just need to keep keep pushing away. And the the really promising thing was that when we applied to to appeal the judgment. Um, Mr. Justice Chamberlain himself granted that that uh, that request, and um, that's typically, you know, that's unheard of for a High Court judge to say, "I give you permission to appeal against my own decision." Mm. Um, and in the comments, he did note that should we go to the Court of Appeal, it was highly probable that the Court of Appeal judges would would find and rule differently to to him. So, you know, that that is incredibly promising, mm. um, and this doesn't just affect trans people. You know, this is something where. We're doing it, yes, because it's trans-related that, you know, we're waiting years just for a first appointment. Mm. However, the way that our case is set out is that we're challenging NHS's 18-week constitution, the uh, referral to treatment. If we're successful, it could open the doors for so many people in other areas of the NHS who are having Mm. to wait in excess of 18 weeks. So this has a huge knock-on effect for for mm. all these patients that are waiting. So, you know, that that's why there's even more drive to really make this a success. So yeah. what is, I mean, I'm not sure if you're allowed to talk about it, what is the basis of the appeal? The, um, I mean, we're, we're basically going, I mean, one of the main grounds we focused on was that this 18-week referral to treatment target is a legal duty. Mm. Um, NHS England have always argued that it's just, the, you know, it's a, it's a target duty. Yeah. It's not. A, you know legally it's an aspiration impossible. but it's not not the law yeah and we've yeah. basically argued well what's the point of a target yeah. if there's absolutely exactly. no incentive to to even achieve it that it's pointless to actually set out in a constitution that you have a target means mm. you are making a commitment towards achieving mm. that and unfortunately you know they've 
that they're not even reaching that for in a number of areas so so that's been one of our main arguments and that's something that will we'll continue in the appeal so anybody who wanted to um you know give some money towards that where would they go is it to the if you go on the good law project site, good law project uh, site they can they can donate specifically to that cause can they it will be yes yeah i know that uh good law projects have helped with mermaids haven't they in their case with lgb alliance and mm-hmm. obviously a lot of good work i mean that yeah because that just kind of revealed to me how are kind of petty these people are who are against us because I had followed Good Law Project on Twitter and it's kind of like you know they 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 don't realize that that I I always have a phrase that is a high tide lifts all boats because like when the this stuff doesn't just affect trans people it's like it's good for society as a whole and it's like we're not just campaigning for our own you know we are campaigning for what you know what we think we should be entitled to but mm-hmm. it goes beyond that like you said it's about it it, it, it cuts across the board really yeah definitely all, all and, social injustices are interlinked i mean yeah for me i'm i'm a, i'm a claimant in this case because i've been waiting by august about six years for my first mm. appointment mm. but if i you know if we win this case i won't magically go to the top of the queue and i'm, mm. I'm fine with that I, I don't want that no. i want there to be you know some recognition of we have failed the trans community we, yeah. and indeed we failed other areas of the mm. NHS and other patients too. So it always has a knock on effect and it's always, we need to always have that mindset of we need to do things for more than just us because mm. transphobia, for example, affects everybody. It's not just the trans community. Um, Last year in the US, because of all the transphobia, mm. there was a, a, a female athlete who was doing really, really well. And she was accused of being transgender purely for two yeah, things. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. But the fact that she was doing extremely well, but also because she didn't look feminine enough. Mm. So transphobia is incredibly harmful mm. to the wider society because we start then policing what people should and shouldn't look like. Mm. And it also, it kind of, when, when there's these stories all the time, like I've seen what's happening in America, you know, with them stripping away trans healthcare in southern states and Florida, it kind it, it takes people's eyes off the real problems because yeah. if they're focusing on, I always say this when I'm in interviews, it's like purposely looking the wrong way mm-hmm. because, because here it's a problem, right? You could, you could, we could always say we always have the best interests of trans children. We should always, you know, we, we, we get the best psychiatrist, get the best psychologist, the best counseling. And, but that, that distract, that, that story is distraction from a lot of mental health problems for other children and when that when those people cases are in the news it's like there's a question mark over that why are they well we know why they're focusing on trans issues because that's kind of a shoe-in for some kind of political aim and that that mm-hmm. just seems to be the way it's going because obviously we've talked about this we're ramping up to like a sort of a, a presidential election in the next few like 18 months or so so i think we're going to see a lot more of it in the media scare stories about that You don't have to look back to the Partygate scandal, you know, Mm. any time that Boris was in the Commons after PMQs where Mm. he'd say something and it's looking a bit bit hairy for him. The Mm. next day, there's an article all over, you know, various papers about trans people. We've become a distraction tactic. And when when they've got nothing to use, then it's Mm. asylum seekers. You know, Mm. they will always look for a distraction so that people don't focus on their own mistakes and their own, you Mm. know, Mm. absolute just atrocities. Yeah. Well, one of of the things we always kind of talk about is... um, collaboration you know there's sometimes you know amongst the community there's there's kind of disagreements lines of fracture and i just wanted to get your thoughts on you know what do you think we should be doing as a community to you know work and collaborate better together and you know and where where do you think we're going with with that because I, i think we're really kind of missing a lot of collaboration opportunities you know I, talk, I I always kind of go on about this one I've had discussions with Bobby on this and you know we I'm really kind of trying to promote collaboration between organizations so that because you know, we're all we're all trying to do the same thing yeah. and we all kind of do it a little bit differently but we really need to work together yeah I think we we, we definitely need some sort of direction yeah. um, I've always said that if the LGBTQ plus community was to form some sort of political party, 
we'd be unstoppable because we would have a manifesto, we would have some sort of direction. And like mm. all political parties or, or any sort of massive group, not everyone's going to agree. And that's absolutely fine. You know, we mm. we, we would be really suspicious if everyone did agree. Mm. But at the, at the moment, we're at this place where everyone's kind of breaking apart and everyone's breaking mm. off doing their own thing. Um, there isn't enough cohesion between the queer community and we need to think how did we get here what are we actually trying to achieve because you know back when it was section 28 the fight against that was literally to have it repealed you you mm -hmm. saw an end goal yeah. Yeah. um when we look at you know gender recognition reform or self-id you have an end goal mm -hmm. but when you've got so many identities and so much mm -hmm. uh, intersectionality it's difficult to identify that and i think that's the mm -hmm. problem we're at, at the moment we need like regular conferences where we can get all the charity groups, all the organizations together and really discuss mm. what are the overarching topics right now. Yeah, that I mean, what are what are on. the priorities for the community exactly, as a whole yeah. and what that should we be kind of all working towards? Forward. Yeah. And I yeah. feel that once we realize we are moving forward for, towards one goal or, or, or a number <laughs> of goals, we'll start to realize that we can put aside differences mm -hmm. and we can allow yeah. each other's differences because we're ultimately united by exactly. certain things. And the thing mm -hmm. is, we should have, what's frustrating is we should realize this already, you know, mm -hmm. uh, we're essentially going through what, what, you know, gay people were, were yeah. dragged through back in the eighties. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a difficult time and we need to remember our roots. And that's exactly why pride mm. is so important, why visibility is so important, because it's a constant reminder of what we're trying to fight for. Mm. It's interesting, though, the idea, the identity of being trans isn't, for me, isn't really an identity. It just, it's just something I happen to be. And the delineation of trans and cis is just how, you know, it's an academic thing. So I think sometimes, like... Just because, you know, somebody's trans, a lot, there's a lot of trans people who are just not politically active at all. They just don't. They, and then why should they be? You know, there's no mm. reason. But I think I think you, pe trans people that are politically active would be politically active anyway, because mm. it's not the trans bit that makes you want to. It's not the trans bit that makes me want to do this podcast, but because there was no media out there and I was constantly saying, why are we never on the telly? Why? I said, all right, we're going to have to make our own media. Mm. And that and. Mm. So that's why trans people are incredibly creative and we are for, and I think some people should sometimes, because because we obviously, there's a lot of negative stuff about us, but if we're anything, we're resourceful mm -hmm. because we've got to get the stuff out there. And if somebody else won't do it, we'll have to do it ourselves. And I think that's what okay. I see. That's what I've seen. That's what impresses me about you, Eva, because you've got your Instagram and I just, I just, sometimes when I'm a bit fed up, I'll just have a look at your Instagram and it's like, yeah, but I think I think Eva, you're working towards that collaboration. You're involved with so many things that you must mm. you must be doing that automatically anyway. Yeah, I mean, like I recently got involved with uh, Met Police, so I'm now part of their learning and development team. So, um, yeah, basically, you can kind of pull all the threads together and creating opportunities. Yeah, I mean, like this this age old argument of police aren't you know welcome at Pride or within the community. Okay, let's help them. So if no one else is willing, yeah, let's try and solve that problem. Yeah. I'll, I I'll put myself forward, mm, and you know, yeah. I, I spend time with with new recruits, challenging certain behaviours, educating them on the actual things that they're going to experience within their communities. And there's a huge, you know, diverse group of us who are community members that go there, spend time with them, so that you know, yes you know, the the college and the the curriculum down at Hendon can teach them certain things like. Miranda rights, the law, how to make an arrest. But we go in there and we provide this other side of it, and that is the community lived experience. Yeah, so, so is that your kind of day job, you know, other than uh, that? That's part of it. Yeah, I also yeah. work with the crown. I also sit on the crown prosecution services hate crime panel. So right. again, as a community Great. member, going mm. in there and saying, well, you know, like we look at historical past cases from mm. start to finish. What was victim support like? Why did you not consider this angle? What mm. were the right questions asked at the right mm. time? And we feed that back so that we can create a more robust, more mm. inclusive system yeah. that actually focuses on in the right think, areas. So, you, so you're kind of right in the uh, in the front line here. I mean, you you mm. you kind of you're involved in all these different things, and you're able to pull things together and, and kind of 
you know do that collaboration thing that we're we're kind of missing Mm. Uh, yeah i'm a firm believer in like if you see something wrong try and do something about it there's no point winching about it and you know if it means me having to roll my sleeves up and 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 get involved (laughs) then then so be it Mm. yeah and i was uh with with what you were saying there about hate crimes because uh it it just reminded me of something i've seen a lot happen recently because when the, the subjects of hate crimes comes up I've seen a lot of people use this phrase wokery. Oh, it's just, well, you just got to be toughened up. Because that mm. used to be the attitude. I remember getting the bus or a train as a young queer person, and you kind of took your chances, you know. It was like no British transport police to report anything to. You just, mm. you know, if you got on if you got on the wrong train on a match day, you know, you were going to get abused. Yeah. I think, I think that is a hate crime. But there are some people with the attitude still of hate crimes are not real crimes. Well, I, I yeah. think if because in, in especially in Manchester we had the case of Sophie Lancaster. Mm. Now, Sophie Lancaster wasn't trans; she just happened to look different. Yeah, and and if and and the police actually uh, because of the Sophie Lancaster Foundation and Sophie's mom campaigning, they actually did a lot. And I think that's what the trans community could do. Like what happened after Brianna's uh, murder, I thought this is this is something something good has to come of this. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was trying to do, you know, like start to put. And it's just amazing what you're doing with that because that's yeah. you know. Thank you. Yeah. So well, is, yeah, there, any, is there anything to. you want to promote? I mean, specifically. Um. Now I would say you know if I'm going to promote anything, it's try and be as positive as you can. I know that you know times are bad at the moment, but they won't stay bad forever. I mean, mm. History has taught us that, yeah. and yeah. we have to recognise that we we can lean on each other, not just within the trans community, but you know other marginalised groups. They are they are facing similar things that we as a trans community are facing mm. as well. Mm. So yeah. there is you know the the safety numbers. Let's come together and help mm. each other because. Yeah. As I said, all social injustices are interlinked. And when we look at certain things, you know, it's not just about being trans. It's about, you know, for example, me being trans, a person of colour, my working class background. We have to help each other and use our experiences mm. to identify where our strengths mm. are, where we can come together. And, yeah, just be there for each other. There's a lot of bitching and dog, a lot of doggy <laughs> dog out there at the moment. And we just need to move past that. And yeah. I think, yeah. you know, we're not at that point yet where we have the rights where we can settle back the things that we've worked hard for and the mm. our predecessors have worked hard for they can be taken away just like that you only have mm. to look at other countries look mm. at what happened in poland that yeah. it, it can and we're in danger mm. of that if we become oh concerned. yeah i think i think this government i think we've never been closer to that point where you think gosh things could go really bad for us yeah. well i think a lot of it is a lot of it's like hot air you know it's like i mean a like, lot of it's posturing isn't it and yeah, there's, and it, there's just, an election coming up so. and uh you know let's not get too into that because it's just you know a bit negative and but uh yeah i just wanted to thank you for coming on and it's been you know it's yeah. been really good it's just like i think we've covered everything there that we <laughs> covered a lot to, of topics and, there i mean oh, well, i didn't go off on too many tangents yeah, did you, I? So. yeah i think you stayed on topic yeah yeah <laughs> And, I don't. Uh, I don't think we can have uh, Eva Echo on and not talk about your amazing tattoos. I mean, that would be a crime in itself. Wouldn't it? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> was... Well, my wife's a tattoo artist, and is she? Uh, it's expression, isn't it? It's, it's mm. always been something where uh, the body's another canvas. So mm. why not do something with it? Yeah. Yeah. So because like people judge people for all kinds of things, don't they? And I think you know, you you know, you say working with the police and stuff, and I thought, like, oh gosh, you know. Imagine seeing Eva with covered in tattoos and because that's kind of, kind of I always think of the police as this regimented kind of very strict kind of thing. But, mm. you know, it's great. You know, It's changing that perception, reframing yeah, that. I mean, exactly. me going in and, you know, it's almost like a role reversal where I'm the one talking to them, challenging yeah, yeah. them. Yeah. And it, it's empowering when, you know, to, to know that we've got to this point mm. as a society where these things happen mm. um we've just got to make the most of it at, at mm. all times and and make the most of every opportunity because if if we don't then someone will just come along and think well that's not working let's just take it away mm. so i think i can speak for both of us frida um if you need any help with any projects either yeah let us know we're happy to and get if, involved if you're yeah. ever in manchester we'll definitely come and meet up with you and say hello absolutely yeah i'd love that yeah. right, so thanks for doing the podcast i know you're really busy so we really appreciate it and uh hopefully we'll see you around soon definitely. yeah so thanks for everybody who's watching stay tuned um 
please subscribe and uh, come back don't again. Don't forget yeah. to subscribe. Don't forget to, yeah, we, all, we do a little song at the end of the podcast. Oh, I'm not going to do it today. I've got a frog in my frog. Come on, we... come on, Frida. We have to do this. Oh, like... Go on, then. We do the, not, the don't forget to subscribe song. So go on, Frida, you can lead us. One, two, three. Don't, don't forget. forget to <laughs> We've never done it right yet. We've never so done it right. Come <laughs> no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We're just no. a bit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, right. thank, thanks, thanks for coming on. It was great. Um, no we'll, thanks for having me. We'll see you soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye.